Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group. Featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents, you'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. What is up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. Welcome to the Level Up podcast, where you learn how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And we've got two good ones on the show today. Besides my illustrious, uh, the host of the show, the official <laughs> host of the show, Greg Harrelson, we have Jeff Kong with us today. So these guys are our mastermind buddies. And uh, obviously, Jeff's a good friend of mine. So I'm super excited about this conversation. Uh, I've gotten to hang out with both of them in person at the same time and uh, could barely get a word in edgewise. So I know that's pretty much going to be the way it is. So I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, and first of all, let's welcome Greg and then we'll bring Jeff in and I'll let them talk and mastermind. And you guys get to be a fly on the wall for this incredible high level conversation. Greg, what's up today? Oh man, L- lots of things. You're right, man. It's going to be hard to get a word in with Jeff and I, there's no doubt about it. Um, and you know what? I had to do an extra workout this morning just to make sure that I was in condition and I was sharp because I'm probably going to need a nap after this, uh, this conversation. So this is going to be exciting. And, you know, and, and I tell you what, man, Jeff and I went fishing, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, a month ago. We went fishing, didn't catch a damn thing. And I think for probably hours at a time, we started talking so much we forgot we were fishing. Yeah, there's there's a funny – there's a joke out there, and I don't know if our uh, significant others know it, but men have to come up with manly things to do to just sit and chat on the sofa. So <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> Greg and I had a great conversation, and honestly, like – you would think we'd be mad about fishing. The captain, we kept asking, like, hey, do you guys want to switch spots? And we're like, dude, we're good, man. Like, don't worry about the fish. Like, we're good. We processed Well, a lot, actually, so. we started talking to him, You, especially you, started talking about him, um, how to build a database and start marketing. So I he did. Keep a full boat. <laughs> we found uh, he didn't have much of a desire. So we'll, we'll probably get into that and unpack that a little bit today. But we had a lot of great advice to share if he knew the two guys on the boat with him. And he didn't want more business. He was happy. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, one of the things we're talking about before we went on the air was just uh, how little people know, Jeff, of your background. And we, we do all these kind of like super yeah. high level, like in the clouds, 10,000 foot levels discussions with other team leaders and stuff. But can you share just a little bit of your background on how you got to the position where you could start a team that has now gone on to become Nebraska's number one team, 600 sides last year, all, all the good stuff that people might know about where you're at yeah. now? How did you position yourself to get there? So great question. And it's going to be, it'd be a long answer. So I'll give you the short answer. Um, I got a degree in business uh, with an emphasis in management. I spent two years in Brazil uh, teaching the people, doing a proselyting mission for my church, learned Portuguese. I really grew up on that mission trip from 19 to 21 while all my friends were partying. I was dealing with really heavy, high, you know, um, intense conversations with people about their life. And um, a lot of people that were in poverty, literally living on dirt floors in a third world country. So I grew up quickly. So when I came back to the United States after that experience and finished college, I got married at 23 years old, started a family. And so at 25, I decided that I, my job was going to be real estate. And I intentionally chose real estate because I knew that it, I would never be limited. With a lot of the jobs with a corporation, I knew there'd be a limit to how much earning potential I would have in most organizations. Even with a sales job, most of the time they'll only pay their salespeople a certain dollar amount. And I didn't want to feel limited. I wanted the ability to go as high as I chose to go based on my efforts. And so in 2006, I got licensed. Like a lot of agents, I was, I was struggling to know where to put my atten- my energy, but I knew I would, was willing to work harder than anyone around me. But from a very 
young age, I learned that I didn't need to have all the answers. I just needed to know the right people to go to to get the answers. And so I started networking my first year with the top agents in my marketplace. And people remind me now, 10 years later, that I told them in those first meetings that I'd be the number one agent within 20 years. And I was the number one agent in Nebraska within six years. And so the reason I had a lot of success early on is I was willing to model systems and strategies that were working for top performing agents within my own market my first year in the business. So I worked really hard with expired leads and working on my database. I had a Facebook page when Facebook required you to have a university email address to sign up. Mm. Um, I started tracking people in an Excel spreadsheet day one. That was my CRM at the time. I don't even know. I think top producer existed, but I just used Excel. And so hit the ground running my first year. I sold over 50 units and netted $96,000. All my college buddies were making 35 grand. So I thought I was doing, doing well. I took a third of that income. And my second year, I hired a full-time transaction coordinator. The next year I grew, the next year I grew. And then in 2011, I decided to no longer be a rock star agent because I didn't want to be on stage performing. I decided I wanted to follow the seven levels of communication, um, millionaire real estate agent that, you know, Gary Keller lays it out on how to be seventh level where you're netting a million dollars from the business that you built. And so I went to, my goal was over the next 20 years to build a team that would allow me to leave the business. And within two years in 2013, I quit selling altogether. And I had a team of about 10 agents and three years later, which is today, I have a team of over 30 agents. My agents are now building teams within my team. Last year we sold 600 units to date. And as of this podcast, it's April. Uh, we've done over 300 sides this year. We're on track to do over a thousand units this year. So things have gone really fast. And I, I would give all of the credit to people like Greg who are willing you know, to put me under his wing and give me his advice and mentor me. But I had to go out and find my Greg. I had to find the people that I wanted to mirror. And then I had to engage with them. And I decided instead of doing a phone call that lasts 45 minutes, I just would go out to all of their physical locations. So in the same vein of my first year as an individual agent where I interviewed everyone locally, when I knew I wanted to build a large team that would allow me to retire eventually, I went out and met with top agents all across the country and have visited over 50 brick and mortar locations, 50 top agents. And I took all the things I loved and applied them to my business in Omaha. And I failed more than anybody that I've seen in residential real estate that's building a team. And because of all of my failures, I've succeeded more than most people in residential real estate. Long answer, but hopefully I got yeah. right to the nut of it. Well, yeah, well, there's a couple nuggets that I get out of this. You know, number one is, and you know, everyone's focusing on, you know, I want to be the resource. What you did is you came in and says, you know what, I'm not the resource. I don't really know a lot about this. I'm not the resourceful. I'm not the resource, but what I can be is I can be resourceful. And I think a lot of people are sitting out there, especially audience, you know, on this podcast and other podcasts, just agents in the industry right now. They're sitting there asking themselves questions like, gosh, how can I get more business? How can I get more listens? How can I get this buyer to buy? And the key is and what you figured out early on is all the answers already exist in the marketplace. There's nothing to figure out on how to get to the top. The key is that you've just got to surround yourself with others who have actually already walked that walk and walked that, traveled on that path, and then just go be resourceful. Ask them, surround yourself. So what, you know, how did you make the transition? Because so many people are talking about teams right now. How did you make the transition and, and, and what were some of the failures and maybe the, to the audience who's in a position where they're doing a lot of business as a solopreneur or solo agent and want to be a team uh, leader or build a team, you know, what, what are some things that they must do and what's, yeah. what are some yeah. things that they're probably going to screw up that you can prevent them from, uh, from messing up? 
Great question, Greg. Thank you for that one. I get that question a lot. And I'd say my number one failure was not expanding faster. You can't expand, which I mean, build a team unless you have a proven system of success. A lot of times people want to do expansion teams or they want to scale out their own team, but they themselves don't know how to sell real estate. They, yeah. they don't know how to prospect. They don't have a system that tracks their deals or you know transaction management software, client relationship management software, anything like that. So first have the foundation. But once you do, don't be afraid to, to mess up. I think too often people don't want to add an admin or they don't want to add an agent because they think they're going to fail. And that's really just a concern of their environment that people are going to think they did a bad job. The only way you can learn and progress is by failing and you will fail. And that will teach you. There's never a true failure. If you can't look at the failure and figure out a lesson from what you did when you failed, you know, then it is a true failure, but most of the time you're going to learn and evolve. And so the time is the challenge, right? We all have the same amount of time. So you add an admin you're going to have to take time to teach that admin, but you just have to ensure that the time that admin replaces for you, that you then redeploy the time saved by having that admin position into your highest income producing activity, which for an agent, it should be lead generation. And that should be the last piece that you leverage out to somebody else as you decide to build out your business. And so for me early on, the failure I feel like was I was a master at lead generation and I was great at reaching out and working with people and I had leveraged my admin right from the beginning. My failure was to not add agents quicker to that equation. I waited five years to add any agent support. I was taking buyers in the 60,000 range. You know, I was working every deal, not wanting to have to share my commission. And it was a limiting belief because I was worried that if I didn't work the deal and keep the full commission that I would lose at the end of the year. In reality, if I could just generate three leads or two leads that I would send out to someone on my team, it would earn me the same amount of money at the end of the year. And I would work zero hours with the lead. I just ship it off to somebody else. And once yeah. I understood that, I realized that the two main pieces to a successful team that scales is lead generation and accountability to the people that you're sending those leads to. So if you can generate leads to people, you have people to work the leads and you can hold them accountable and train them to work the leads efficiently, your business can build as large as you want it. And Greg's a great example of that with the huge brokerage that he's been able to build and team doing over 2,000 units a year. You're probably the best example of that in the country. Sure. I appreciate you saying that. So let's back up for a minute. Now, you were, you know, this this agent did you 50 deals the first uh, first year, somewhere in that range. And and then you went. What I hear you saying is you you built a team, but you based on building a team of staff assistants to so you could actually continue for a little while producing yourself because no one was going to outproduce you. Right. Exactly, in the yeah. sense of like you, you should be the highest qualified to go out on a buyer or a listing appointment. If you're thinking about being building a team, you better be pretty damn skilled yourself because team leader yeah. is somebody who leads a team. Right. So you've got to be a true leader. But from when what was the number of deals you did when you really started saying, I'm no longer a single agent, I'm now a a team. And then from that standpoint, what was the um, the, the production level when you said, OK, now I'm who I am today because Great you're I mean questions. you're a damn team but you're a yeah. you're you're a ship you're like a, this <laughs> a big yeah so company. I have and answers I yep I have answers to both those questions and I see we have a few people live asking some questions that we'll address here in a little bit thank you uh, Brett Belknap for your question um, when I was selling and I was recognizing that I only had a certain amount of time call it 50 hours a week and I was losing leads because I was fully committed to the clients I was serving and people were going somewhere else because I wasn't able to give them the attention they deserved. That's when I knew I had to bring on more agents 
or showing assistance. I chose to use agents and then give them the lead and split charge a 50-50 split with them. So the point where you add buyer's agents is when you're losing buyer leads because you can't give them your attention. So my goal that I was very intentional with was right when I decided to launch a team in 2011, I quit working buyers altogether in 2012. And I gave all of my personal leads and my internet leads out over to my buyer agent team of six agents. But I was the only person on our team that was allowed to take listings. So they all would work the buyers. If they had listing opportunities that would come to them or my leads that were buyer leads had to list, I took the listings, they worked the buy side. And then I found that same challenge happened on the listing side. I had so many listing opportunities coming to me that I recognized that if I put all of my time into scaling my business, recruiting agents, worrying about training and accountability, I had a belief system that if I allowed everyone to work both sides of the business, my sales would grow even larger. And so I quit selling within two years. I mentioned in my introduction, I thought I wouldn't be in, into my 50s until I could actually step out of the business. And it took two years, 24 months. And I said in 2013, I'm going to step out of the day-to-day sales and I'm going to focus my attention into my business. And obviously it worked for me. Um, The dollar amount, people will always ask Jeff, what's the time I should quit selling altogether? And I say, when the team, and you have to know your numbers really well, but when your team's net is the same as your personal net. So let's say you selling makes 200,000 and your team makes you 200,000. As long as you were living within the means of the net you were generating on your own, you can then quit selling altogether and live off of the production of your team. And the challenge with agents is that they choose to live off of their sales and their team sales. So they essentially effectively need $400,000 in that scenario to be able to quit selling. And so they keep on waiting and kicking the can down the road. Whereas if you made the decision today, let's say you made a hundred grand last year. If you made the decision that as you scale out your team, once the team makes you a hundred grand, you can quit selling altogether. As long as you've lived within your means, which is in that case, the hundred thousand dollars that would allow you to quit selling at that point, And then just focus a hundred percent on your team. Got it. Got it. So step number one, build the team and where the, where the team can, the, the profit that you're making from the team equals the, the profit that you're making as an individual. And then once you get the, uh, your, your team to that position, then you can scale down some of the work that you're doing as an individual and then reinvest more into your team, whether it be time, resources, or whatnot. So eventually your team doubles and triples what you were actually doing on the individual. So I like how you're, there, there's a progression to that. I think that was very valuable for the audience because I think a lot of people end up saying, you know what, I'm going to stop selling real estate. I'm going to be the CEO of a team and all of a sudden they go cold turkey and they have two or three years where they're losing money or they're going backwards because they haven't set it up properly. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. And I think if people are being, people are honest with their business and look at where their money comes from. A majority of the teams I consult with when they first hire us over 80% of their return on investment into their business is coming from their own personal sales. So Mm -hmm. I always ask them if we took you out of the equation, rockstar agent, and looked at your team, what kind of a positive return would you guys have? 99% of the people I've consulted with wouldn't have a positive return, which means their own personal sales are necessary for them to be successful. That's not a business. Mm-hmm. That's not, they're, they're a rock star team that, have, you know, they have to be selling. They are valuable to the organization from a sales standpoint. An actual viable, sellable business would not necessitate that rock star agents selling homes. So I needed to prove for myself that I could step out altogether, which I did for two years. And last year I chose um, intentionally to go back to just doing listing presentations once a week 
for VIP leads where I would spend one hour on a list pres and then turn it over to a listing agent. And that is actually the activity right now. That's my highest return on investment. It's about $6,000 an hour because I turn it over to someone else. I keep 75% of the commission. And so everything I think about in terms of how I deploy my time is based. If I choose to monetize that time, it's based on what kind of a return am I getting for that one hour I'm spending. And as team leaders, if you think about that more often and you recognize if you made a hundred grand last year on a 40 hour work week, 50 weeks out of the year, that's $50 an hour. If you're training your team and you could hire a trainer for 25 an hour, you'd be smarter to train the team, you know, hire someone else to train the team and spend your time doing the higher income producing activities. Yeah. You know, no doubt about it. One thing that I've said to so many people before, um, when it comes to trading time and for, for, for money is a great business person measures ROI, mm-hmm. but a great entrepreneur measures ROT, return on time. Yep. And, and because sometimes I can do something that may not, but let's just say I could do something that it took me two minutes and I made $500. That's $250 a minute versus, you know, doing, going out and doing, um, uh, you know, uh, working for three hours for the same $500. Like you, somebody, and I didn't say that in the way that I wanted to say it, but I'll say it again. There are times where you can make a smaller sum and, but because of the, the time that it took was so little, right. that that would be a much greater ROT. So like this thing, this is how it works in my world. Okay. Somebody comes up to, to, to ask me a question and they say, Hey, Greg, do you have a minute? And I say, well, it kind of depends. What's the subject? <laughs> well, I'm, um, you know, I need to know what's the best way to uh, fill out this contract. The answer is no. Okay, I might be able to get a decent ROI on that. Like if I spend some time, you know, um, I'm not really investing that much money and I answer their question and they get a deal. Eventually I get paid. Yes, there was a return. Right. But what I like is the questions when they come up and say, hey, I'm about ready to get this listing. I'm competing against so and so agent. Um, You know, what would be one or two things that I could say to really give myself an advantage? And then I spend, you know, four minutes, five minutes with them. And all of a sudden now they get that deal and they learn that lesson. So they're going to take that lesson and they're going to get a hundred more deals over the next five years Mm -hmm. because of that five to 10 minute conversation. That's a return on time. Right. Nope, and I, I think, think that's, that's where we are as leaders. And, and if for those that want to build a team, you know, you've got to invest your time in your people and invest it in the generation conversations. So where are you now, though, Jeff? How many? So what you said about a thousand deals this year? Yeah, we're on track. We're, we're tracking to do a thousand. Our goal was 800. If you to- take the total of all of our agents goals and add them up, um, our goal is to never be stuck in a triple digit. A lot of the teams we met with would be stuck in triple digits for three or four years. So like if their team did 450 units, they just couldn't break that 500 mark. Most teams I met with were stuck, but they were stuck because they didn't choose to be intentional about scaling by adding agents providing value, retaining agents through value, um, training and accountability. And so our team today has a success coach that holds everyone accountable on a weekly one-on-one for 20 minutes. And a great question that Brett Belknap had asked was what are the most important systems to implement? Number one from day one is you have to have a place to place all of your leads. 
So you can use Excel, Top Producer, Real Geeks, Boomtown, but you need some type of CRM, client relationship management software. And then you as team lead, as you hire people and as you hold yourself accountable, need to be going into that account at least on a weekly basis if you're holding someone else accountable to ensure that they are doing and implementing all of the best practices that you have learned to be best practices in your marketplace. For example, on our team within the first two weeks, a lead gets called 10 times, gets two text messages, two voicemails, gets set up on smart email also gets listing alerts for homes that hit the market that meet their criteria. We don't only train on how to do that and hold, we, we also hold people accountable to doing that. And if they're not doing the best practices that we know they need to do to convert at the highest level, then we take the leads away and reassign them to somebody else. So we have over 35 agents right now that are taking a total of 2000 leads a month amongst 35 people. And we're converting right now at about 3% on internet leads. The thing I like to make sure I mention um, when I speak on this topic is a CRM is not just there to generate leads from the internet. You'll also have your agents and yourself plug in leads that come from your sphere of influence and your own personal marketing. A lot of times people get so caught up on a boomtown system or real geeks or, or PowerPoint or whatever it might be being something that you invest in to get internet leads. You could choose to have any of those systems and never generate one internet lead. And it's still going to give you a huge ROI and ROT. Um, you know, my mom I was a real estate agent when I was in kindergarten. I remember a cupboard where our desk was in our kitchen full of yellow sticky notes. And I can't tell you how many times I saw mom say, oh, I can't believe the Jones bought a house from somebody else. And I would ask her as a kindergartner, mom, when's the last time you called them? I remember asking my mom, like, hey, when's the last time you talked to them? And she's like, oh, they said they'd call me when they were ready to buy a house. And she'd look at the sticky note and it would say, Jones ready to buy in June, but she never followed up. And that's the old school way. How many of us are guilty of doing the exact same thing? And so yeah. we realized that early on that that accountability piece was key. People get so caught up in the day to day and how they choose to deploy their time. Sometimes someone needs someone else there next to them that has been down that road before to hold them accountable. So that's really helped our team differentiate itself in that we provide that agent with that success piece. I had to wear a lot of hats three or four years ago. I was the success manager. I was the recruiter. I was the marketing department. I wrote the commission checks. I also sold real estate. So in the beginning, you can't have all of those pieces, but you should think about how you want to strategically place those types of positions to help you leverage yourself out of that role as your team starts to scale and you have revenue to do it. Yeah, got it. So I, 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 on, on that, like we, of course, a lot of people know I use Real Geeks. I've got multiple agents within the uh, within the few locations that we have, where mm -hmm. the agent will be have an account inside of our Real Geeks uh, website, and they don't even take buyer leads. They actually are just using it to manage their database, perfect. Send texts, yeah, emails, and everything else. I mean, they're just using it as an operating system. So sure. you know that's very beneficial. Now you talked about the leads that they're getting and how many agents. You have you you have team members you have. What are some standards that you have set that you know this is a standard, this is an expectation for somebody sure. that's say working buyer leads on your on your team? And then what are your what what do you do when they're falling below when they're when they're not meeting that standard? Yeah, great uh, great question. So a few standards from a recruiting standpoint is we want people that are willing to commit to residential real estate. And so we want people that are willing to be full time, 40 hours plus. We want agents that are willing to prospect not only the leads we generate, but the leads they create on their own. So to be on our team, you have to be willing to make over a hundred prospecting calls a week, which isn't a lot if you're using like the Mojo dialing solution, you can make a hundred calls in an hour. Some of my agents have the goal every week of making a thousand calls. Others, they're at the minimum of a hundred. 
Um, we also have expectations around how the lead fl- uh, funnels where they're generating their business from. So we want to see a third of their business coming from leads our team generates from the internet, and then another third from their sphere, and another third from their own prospecting efforts. Because if you help agents learn to generate business from all those different buckets, independent of what shift you're in, independent of what geographical location you're in, you're going to be successful. You'll be able to overcome some of the humps that we will face, especially in the next couple of years from now. Um, and then I've talked for a little bit about some of the expectations around setting appointments. No one ever cancels. They always reschedule. So we hold them accountable to making sure if someone's in hot, meaning they're ready to buy or sell now, they have an appointment set. If they're not hot, meaning there's not an appointment set, then they are in a different category where they indicate they're three to six months out or six months to a year out. On lead rotation day, some teams do this round robin where if they generate 30 leads in a day and they have 30 agents, everyone would get one lead. We actually have each agent pick a day every month that they come into the office and they take leads from 10 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. And every lead that comes in in a 24-hour period goes to that one agent. And we do that because we want the agent to be very intentional about following up with the lead while they're on the internet looking at houses or when someone calls in that that agent's answering the phone. Internal sales agents work, virtual assistants work, but the best person for leads to talk to is the agent that's going to serve (laughs) them through the process. And so we've had a lot of success with that. Um, with the agent being there to take that call, they have to uh, call a lead back that registers within the first five minutes and then call them three times in that first day, send a text, leave a voicemail, and then call seven more times over the next 13 days. So those are some of the specific parameters we hold agents accountable to that are with them. Yeah, so, so what if obviously like anybody else, I'm sure you have people that slip up and they don't meet those standards. What is your, you know, what is a team leader supposed to do um, yeah. when somebody's not carrying their weight? What do you, how do you handle that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. A lot of people that come visit, we host uh, team building workshops, which I can get into that later today. But people will come out and they'll actually see us in our team accountability meeting. So every Monday, our whole team comes together and all the agents report on six key factors that help drive their business. And if agents fall short of that, we always are focusing on what their why is and having a conversation about their why. Because if someone's not reaching the goals they've set for themselves, they're essentially saying that they don't want to achieve the why as to why they're working, why they're trying to generate money. Money in and of itself is ones and zeros in a bank account. It's what we choose to do with it that ultimately affects if we're living our dream. So we help the agents discover what is their goal, what is their dream. And sometimes it's that self-analysis that, you know, Greg, you and I have done in some of our mastermind calls of just kind of determining what is our purpose? Why are we here? Why are agents coming in and prospecting? And so if an agent, let's say an agent using a hypothetical had the goal of taking their grandkids to Disney World in November of this year, and they come to our meeting, our monthly meeting, or sorry, our weekly meeting and say they didn't make their call goal, I will directly say to them in front of 50 people, why don't you want to take your kids to Disney World? Mm-hmm. And that lands hard. Not say, well, our policy is 100 calls and getting into that. I'll say, why don't you want to take your kids to Disney World? I'm going to make it real so that they know because they didn't do A, they're not going to get B result. And the people that did do A, we hold them accountable to getting the result that they had told us they wanted to get. So when they reach their goal, I'll say, that's great. It looks like you're going to be taking your grandkids to Disney World. And some of these ideas have come from the book, The Dream Manager. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it helps your employees dream bigger. And no one goes to work to make money. People go to work to achieve goals that they set. And so we've had a really big intentional focus on that. Um, We will take leads away. So if somebody's not working leads the way we've asked them to, then they just won't get a lead day. You can be on our team and not take internet leads and just run your business the way you want to run it. But culturally, I want to see someone selling 20 houses a year or more. If you're not selling 20 houses a year or more, you're not a full-time agent. So within 12 months, if we don't see that they're on a, a track to do over 20 transactions, 
they're probably not the right fit for our team. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't usually let someone go. They'll usually let themselves go because they don't feel like they're a good fit culturally. Yeah. So what, how, how are you finding your talent? Uh, wh- what are you doing to, uh, to attract talent? What are you looking for? Yeah. So from a recruiting standpoint here at our local, a local team here in Omaha, we've done two different strategies uh, just this last year that have been very successful for us. One is we created a, a Facebook mastermind page across all brokerage brands. And I invited any and all agents that did less, less than 25 transactions last year to participate in the mastermind. And ultimately mm-hmm. what it is, is anyone can engage and ask questions. And I'm totally transparent. I have the belief system that digging a six foot deep, three foot wide hole is really hard. So if I show somebody where to buy the shovel and then tell them how to dig the hole, most people will buy the shovel. They just won't dig the hole. And so I'm not worried to give away my secrets because I know everybody can buy the shovels, but digging the hole is the hard part. And so I give it all away. Every week I put something new on the mastermind page. Anyone listening would be welcome to join it. It's Omaha's Elite Real Estate Mastermind. Um, And then I invite all of these people. We have 550 members within three weeks. I paid for ads to invite people to be part of it. And then I personally met Facebook message, every person and invited them into the group. And then I invite this mastermind group into my office once a month on a Friday when we're doing Friday team training. And I include them in our Friday trainings on like the listing presentation, the buyer presentation, um, negotiation training, and ultimately give my competitors all of the same information I'm training my agents on. And through that, we've been averaging about two hires a month. And then I also, we also do a recruiting night. So we have a recruiting Facebook page as well. Similar strategy in the way we reach out to people that are considering um, moving, changing teams or changing brokerages. We're not looking for non-licensed agents. So it's not like a career night. It's more of how to get better results in your business. You know, how to go from 10, the average number of sales in Omaha and probably nationally is around 10 deals a year. So our whole thing is go from 10 to 36 sales in 12 months with Omaha's Elite. And then we're showing them all the value that we offer. And when you get into that commission conversation that people always have, you shouldn't be recruiting people because you give them a better commission. You should be recruiting them because you give them a better net. And to your point, not only net on, on money, but net on time. So with yes. us, I say, be happier, earn more in less time and less hassle. And then I can show them how. So if I can just get people in front of me, I feel like time and time again, they choose to join our team. Isn't it amazing, Jeff, how many people, agents, even today with all the information that's out there, they're still thinking that they've got to negotiate the best commission split. The key is, is when, when you notice like the, the top commission splits in any market come with the least amount of resources, support and training. So when you look at the companies that give the top commissions, they're typically also giving the least amount of value. And what's really important. I always say this, I said, look, here's, what's important. It's what you take home to mama. (laughs) That's what's important. Because yeah. if, you know, at the end of the day, there's two things that mama wants. She wants you to bring home the bacon and she wants you to be around her and the kids. Maybe she doesn't want you to be around her. She wants you to spend <laughs> time with the kids. Amen. And right. so a lot of times the, uh, in, in order to bring home more money, in order to spend more time with your family, you've got to have your skill sets have to be at the highest level. In order for your skill sets to be at that high level, you've got to surround yourself with other talented individuals. You got to be around somebody like Jeff Cohn, who's going to help develop you to become a top producer on his team. In other words, people are going to make more bottom line net profit with you, no matter what the commission is. Well, and hopefully in less time. 
Yeah, and, and in less time. I bet you that somebody could go across the street, get a 90% commission you know, in Omaha right now versus a 50% commission with you. Not that that's your commission split, right. but at 50%. They would probably oh, be making more than if they were making 90% yeah. across the street. People, yep. it's interesting, people have just not stopped right. to evaluate that and take a look at the, that. The, and the, the industry has failed them. The industry right. has got to a point where, you know what? Let's go ahead and fool these guys. You know, I'm going to fool an agent by actually saying I'm going to give you this when right. reality you're going to have to do this and this and this and this and this. So the net bottom line is going to be less. Well, it's a, it's you know, a scam. That the, you look at the results. 19 out of 20 agents within 12 months out of the business shows that the traditional brokerage across the country isn't offering value. If they were, people would stick around and it's yeah. a money grab. And unfortunately, these brand new agents don't know the difference. And after an agent's made it and been in the business a couple of years, they either choose to build their own team or they do go and join a team if they want to survive. Um, one of the parallels I like to draw is you think about a commission you charge to a seller. My fee right now is 7% in Omaha. Of that, I keep 60%. We pay out 40%. So I make 4.2% on a listing in Omaha at a 12-month listing agreement. And I allow the seller to cancel any time with a $2,000 cancellation fee. And I charge a $990 broker fee. And I get my, I'm a hundred percent. I get every listing press I go on, I'm going to close the deal and I'll reduce my commission if I have to. But most often people are scared to charge a, a full commission at 6% or seven, whatever your market is, because they don't know what they're bringing to the table compared to their competition. If you understand the value, the seller doesn't care about the commission split. They just don't know what other questions to ask. The seller cares about netting the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of hassle. That is the exact same goal of an agent. The agent doesn't care about the commission split. They just don't know what else to ask because no one else offers value. And so they say, well, shoot, if no one offers value, let's just go to the place that gives me the best split and I'll be happy. So it's our job as strong leaders that know how to serve their followers. Greg taught me that sentence. If we know how to serve our followers and help them become leaders themselves and help in, um, enable them and empower them to be successful residential real estate agents and can show them line upon line exactly what we're going to teach them to be successful and how we're going to hold them accountable and the leads we're going to generate and how we're going to take care of all the administrative work for them and have sign runners and showing assistants and training and culture and masterminds and team trips. These are all the things my team is deploying into our overall strategy. Our average agent last year netted $75,000 and sold 29 houses. So you look at the industry average with an agent at nine houses and like 22,000, we're 3Xing the industry average. And now I have outliers that did hundreds of thousands of dollars, obviously, and I have outliers that did three sales. But the average I'm pretty proud of, and anyone can do that. They just have to choose to build their Disneyland, build their business out the way they want to, to try to see those types of results. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Matt, it's interesting how he, he stated the 79,000. Remember the uh, uh, last podcast we did with Juan, he said his goal is to have everybody making $100,000 in this company. Now, $100,000 minimal. Like, you know, when right. he takes an agent, he's like, man, I've got to get this person to a minimum of $100,000 worth of income. He'll build from there. But, you right. know, again, with Jeff, with myself, with Juan, you can see the theme for those listening here. The theme is, is we are looking out for our agents. We're looking out for them. 
And I think Absolutely. that's the type of thing that helps us build at the scale that we've we, we've done it. We, and that's that's some great. You know, our stuff. two our two biggest clients. As you become a team leader, you go from a focus of serving clients to now not only serving the clients but also serving the agents within your organization. So my Absolutely. number one is my agent. My number two is the client that agent serves, and that's always my focus. Um, there was a great question. Brett asked another question, and that's where we track all of our numbers. We've been using Gecko Board. I'd like to invite the audience to go check out our Gecko Board. If you go to dashboard one.omahaselite.com, dashboard one.omahaselite.com, you'll get to see an example of how we track all of our sales. And we that lives organically on an 80-inch flat screen in a bullpen, a 1,200-square-foot bullpen in our office. There's another link, dashboard2.omahaselite.com, that will give you other analytics. So we have two Gecko Boards that track all of our statistics, as well as our agent sales, their, their monthly goals, their yearly goals. And that holds the agents accountable in a true living sense. And that's always up in front of the office for people to look at. And that's, that's open source. So anybody that can see that, my competitors can see that. I, I'm a big believer in transparency from a leadership standpoint. My books are open to everyone. People know how much I pay for lead gen. They know my net income at the end of the year. They know everybody splits. There's nothing we hide. There's no special behind the door deals. We're very transparent and intentional, and people that choose to be successful will be successful. People that don't, won't. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and there's something I wanted to point out, Jeff, just about because we've had a lot of conversations. So I'm privy a lot more to like the behind the scenes of your story than a lot of other people get to be, which is which is yeah. awesome. Uh, so that like bridging the gap, and and Greg, you mentioned kind of that concept of the return on time. And, and Jeff, you're talking about when, when you bridge that gap between bring on, let's say, a transaction coordinator, you start to put the only way that's valuable is if you put that time into higher income generating activities. I think the right. same is true if you take yourself out of the business in general, out of the listing side, you have to do the exact same thing. Well, then you're, the question becomes, well, if I'm not directly doing income generating activity activities, what are those? Like, what's the next level up, right? What's right. that next thing that if I take a listing partner on, what do I do? And I right. think there's two things that you did that I, I don't know that you really pointed this out as much, but there's two things where you really spent a lot of hard mental thought. And it was number one, which is a lead gen system, right? Not just a bunch of scattered tactics, but what is our lead generation system and how do we mm-hmm. enforce the system? And then the second is what is the leadership system? Right. How do we yeah. what is the systematic? What is the Omaha's elite way or system for leading Omaha's elite agents? And right. the more mental thought and the more right decisions that you make in those two areas, I think that's where you get like the highest return on time in this kind of like real estate business. Once you start to scale up, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's the foundation. Let, let me add something to this because I want to make sure that, you know, I said great business people focus on ROI, return on investment, and great entrepreneurs focus on ROT. Um, you know, I gave you an example of ROT, right, where I can answer a question and it leads to a domino effect of multiple uh, incomes. But ROT is also, remember, T is time. Okay, so today at 4 o'clock, I'm going to be playing tennis from 4 until five. And let me tell you, the ROT on that is extremely high. So return on time, not only do we focus on return financially, but also return emotionally. And I thought of that because of something Jeff said here, as Jeff said, hey, look, not only will they make more money with me in Omaha or wherever he decides to expand, but they'll do it in less time and have more enjoyment. See, less time, more enjoyment. That's ROT thinking. 
And I think as business people, we need to be thinking of ROT and we need to say, what is the highest priority, the highest quality, um, profitable thing I could be doing with my time right now? And then when you're not working, be thinking about what's the, the highest priority, highest profitable thing that you could be doing with your time when you're not working. And that comes in um, an emotional return. A feeling yeah. and experience. I think that's great, Greg. Like that. I think too often agents sacrifice too much. You know, if people ask me oftentimes, you know, what could you go back and do? I would have taken off more than one day a week. So my day from day one was Sunday. Sundays was my family day. I'd work any other day, any other time. If I started it over, I would have followed the one thing a little bit more. Gary gets into Gary Keller wrote the one thing. Great book. If your audience members haven't read it, you need to read that. And he talks about time blocking. I would have had probably most evenings open to be to spend with my family. I have three small children and Obviously, they were really young. They're 11, 9, and 7 now. They were really young when I first started in real estate, and I missed out on a lot of those younger years because I let my um, buyers and sellers drive my schedule. If, if you're listening to this and you're in that boat where you feel like everyone's driving your schedule, which is probably most agents, have two nights a week that you are willing to meet with buyers and sellers. Outside of that, make that time for your family. So like Tuesday, Thursday nights, you'll show houses to buyers. You'll go on listing presentations. But if someone says, hey, can I meet with you Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday? You say, no, I'm sorry. Those nights I've reserved for my family. No one is ever going to argue with that. If you say those evenings I reserve for my family, and here's the kicker. If they are going to argue with that, you don't want them as a client because they're bad people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if they're telling you that they're more important than your family, I don't want to work with someone like that. So right yeah. now, the only night I have available is Monday evenings. If someone wants me, Jeff Cohn, on a Monday evening to do a listing presentation, I'm available. If they want me any other night, I'm not available. Monday evenings is my night if they want me. Yeah. So standards. You set standards for yourself, standards inside and outside of your business. I think a lot of the industry needs to hear that, needs to follow that. And, and I think a lot of people have a fear that if they actually start living their life, that their, their business will suffer. And what I believe is, and what I coach all my agents on is is we, we need to go ahead and schedule our lives and then we'll figure out how to work around it. You're I right, have that right. all the time. And so many people are afraid. They come to me and it's like, man, am I going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do that? No, I don't know right. what the heck you're going to have to do because I don't know what your life looks like. Tell me about your life. Okay. Right. Well, no, I got to take my kids to school. I don't want to put them on the, the, the bus. So I got to take my kids to school in the morning. Okay, great. I'm not going to tell you not to take your kids to school. I'm going to ask you, what time will you be in the office? Well, I'll be in the office at 8.55 every day. Right. Okay, great. Then we're going to build a business plan that helps you get what you you want to get in the time that you have available without sacrificing your family. Yep. I have a personal assistant that I hired. And when she came on, she said, you know, I want to take my kids to school and I want to pick them up. And we have doctor appointments. They have school activities. I said, stop right now. I don't want to hear anything about it. I said, get your work done, put in 40 hours. That's my expectation. When you put that 40 hours and I don't care. And she'll leave to this day, she'll leave the office and tell me what she's doing. And I said to her, I'm like, you can tell me if you just want me to know as like a friend, you're like wanting empathy and me to say have fun, but I don't need to know from like a boss standpoint. I prefer not knowing go live your life and then come back and be great at your work. And this comes to moderation in everything we do. We will be the most fulfilled in life and have the most happiness if our life is equal in all different categories, our fun, our contribution, charitable, you know, charity, health, work, business, and all these other things. Something else I haven't mentioned is that as you do free up time, I think the scary thing is people, a lot of top agents look at themselves and see the value that they provide is in the service they provide to their clients. And they have a very hard time detaching themselves 
from that experience. And to your point, Greg, what are they going to do with the time that they create? I've chosen to build other businesses. You could choose to Mm -hmm. just golf. You could choose to just focus on training and recruiting, or you could choose to build more businesses, additional passive flows of income. And I've been able to start a title company, an insurance company, a call center in the Philippines, um, a flipping business, a rental acquisition business. And there's more and more uh, that go down that list. But I found that the businesses that were parallel to my residential real estate business made the most sense because I was able to legally direct some of our, our clients that we were serving to some of the businesses that I now own. And that to me has brought a lot of happiness to me because I enjoy the strategy around the creation of businesses. And to your point earlier on in the call, helping people become stronger leaders within those companies that I've started. Yep. That's fantastic. Cool. Awesome. Anything All right, guys, else, well, let's do this. Uh, we have one really good question that I'd like to end on, but before we take that question, can each of you share kind of where to, uh, to connect with you? We'll start with you, Greg. Well, you know, I'm easy as always, Greg Harrelson at gmail.com. So, you know, thank you for all the people that do, you know, send kind words and, uh, you know, to me, I, I really appreciate it. It keeps me going. Um, and then also, I'm, I'm, I'm also uh, happy to answer the questions that you guys send my way. So Greg Harrelson at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me. Cool. And then uh, for the for the training on marketing automation that Greg did uh, that is available for free, go to theleveluppodcast.com slash free, theleveluppodcast.com slash free. Get that training video for free as well as all future episodes of this show. And then uh, obviously we host the team building podcast together, you and I, Jeff. So that's easy to find on iTunes. They should go check it out or just go directly to EliteRealEstateSystems.com. But you want to briefly mention the workshop uh, and then we'll take this last question and wrap things up. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of people today, I know the topics a lot came up about this systems that we use. If you go to um, jeffsfavoritetools.com, I outline a lot of the different tools that I use. And then also our lead generation conversion chart, exactly what we do step-by-step to convert at 3%. I give that for free. If you give me your email address and I'll send you future podcasts and that's at um, jeffsfreegift.com. If you go to jeffsfreegift.com. So the workshop we host in Omaha once a month, anytime someone has me on a podcast, I invite them for free. So Greg would love to host you as an affiliate for free. If you want to come to one of our upcoming workshops, otherwise it's $2,997. We do have a special discount for the one on May 5th. So if you're watching this live and you want to make the trip to Omaha, our event on May 5th is special in that it's a whole day workshop here at my office. And then the next day we're going to go to the annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting where Warren Buffett will be speaking. The guy's in his mid eighties. He won't be doing that very much longer. So that event's 1497 and you can bring a guest, Greg, if you can swing it, we'd love to have you out. We already have over 20 people registered for that event. Awesome. And then our next event after that would be June 12th. That's going to be on a Monday. So you'd fly in on a Sunday night, stay with us all day Monday and then fly out Tuesday morning. So June 12th is our next date. To learn more about the workshops and what's included in that, go to jeffsworkshop.com. Jeffsworkshop.com. Cool. And Matt, sure. let me just say say this, and I and, and I, you know, the exception of being authentic, I do know people that have been to Jeff's workshop and and have gotten, uh, they've just been overwhelmed with the information that that you share, Jeff. Not only the content that you let them uh, leave with, but just the transparency of you and your team. So you know, so I, I haven't been there, but I can tell you that I've unsolicited uh, from an unsolicited standpoint i've gotten all kinds of feedback from it i appreciate that you know and the dollar amount we charge is not monetized um that's my that's how much it costs me to put on the workshop so there's a lot of value add we give you our google drive we give you access to a private facebook page we're with you for 12 hours the day of the workshop everyone that has come to your point greg has has really enjoyed it we will also offer 100 percent money back guarantee i'll write you a check the day you leave if you don't feel like the value's there. So if you have the time in your calendar, you want to change your business, come check that out. 
Cool. That's right. All right, guys. So, uh, so the one last question we had from Andrew was, uh, do you have a good follow-up system with sellers? So, Jeff, without getting into the details, can you give just a quick overview of what that looks like? So I don't know if the question is for sellers that are actively listed with us or if it's seller leads that have come in that have yet to convert to active listings. Okay. So our follow-up with sellers is going to be the same as our follow-up with buyers. And I'll break down our lead conversion uh, that you can get if you go to the jeffsfreegift.com. It has a PDF there. So when we put most leads you get a hold of will indicate that they're not going to be ready to sell their house for, let's say, three to six months. So we put those into a category we call nurture. The expectation, if someone says three to six months, you should be reaching out to them every 15 days or twice a month. The reason for that, if you know how people work when they go to buy a car, in the beginning, it's just looking at cars. That usually ends with buying a car. Anything we just are doing just for fun, it ends up being something we choose to do for real. And so when someone says they just think they might be selling in three to six months, you need to make sure that out of the 50 agents they told that to, that you're top of mind, you're the one that's provided value to them, you're the one that they know, like, and trust. And so to be able to do that, the best way is to meet them in person. The first time you have contact with someone, always meet them in person and share with them a presentation to show them the value you provide. Then all of the follow-ups have to be valuable as well. So every two weeks, our agents are going to call to verify that they're getting the email updates with houses that are hitting the market in their neighborhood. You can set that up for free within your local MLS. I'm sure there's a way to set up auto email for homes that hit the market in a subdivision or for homes that sell in a subdivision. Another great value add is to give them a market analysis or a market update for their neighborhood every quarter. So you can send them a market snapshot update and then call to verify that they received it. And just checking in with someone, hey, Matt Johnson, it's Jeff Cohn. I just wanted to check in and see if there's anything I can do for you. That is a phone call. You can't let someone else do that. That's not a text. That's not an email. It's a phone call. And it's not that hard if you have something like a mojo dialer or even you just hand dial for an hour every two weeks. You can usually get through enough people because a lot of people don't answer their phone. You'll just leave a voicemail. We found our conversion ratio shot up when we were showing people we actually cared about them. And here's a crazy um, recommendation. Actually care about your sellers. Care about the result. Help them net the most. Treat them like they're your family. And if you do that, they'll treat you like family and they'll refer business to you for life. And that's more important than the one transaction and commission grab that most people look for. That's right. Love it. All right, guys. Well, I can't think of a better way to end than that. Greg, I know you have to go play some tennis. So uh, we're going to wrap, <laughs> wrap this episode up, guys. Go Thanks so much for watching. Greg. That's right. I, I will, man. I will. Fair right, enough, man. man. Appreciate everybody watching. We'll see you guys on the uh, the next episode. Thank you. Thanks, Matt.